Hello, Locked On Guardians fans and listeners. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, free and available, wherever it is you get podcasts. If it's an app, if it's a website, Pocket Casts, I've used some other ones in the past. Uh, it's always a shame when a app you like stops uh, stops getting updated. I can't remember one that I used to love that I used for years and years and years that uh, just stopped being updated. Uh, but enough of such things. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, former scout 24-7, where I was the lead MLB draft and prospect analyst. Uh, you might have heard me across the country on radio shows, including ESPN's John Stash Hour show. Uh, I have been featured in many a market, mostly everywhere but Ohio. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, I never got much traction in my own home state. But uh, yeah, no, drive time, uh, any other city, you've probably heard me on the radio discussing the draft. Today's show, we are going to continue our Why They Didn't Make It uh, series. I got some feedback from Alton, who was the person, I believe, who gave me the idea to start this series, that Laporte had had arthroscopic surgery, and that was part of what affected him, that the pain never went away. It's a good point. Um, I didn't remember that entirely. I do think... You know, that, that could have been enough on the fringes to make it so he was not successful. But overall, big picture, I think he probably still, I mean, a lot of people overcome such surgeries. Uh, his does sound particularly worse because it pain never went away. But uh, he just seemed like more the quad A type. We see those guys who can mash the Sam Horns, as it were. Uh, maybe, you know, Laporta could have gone to Japan and been an all-star. He could have been Alex Ramirez, former Indians. Uh, prospect. He just seems like the type who's just just on that fringe, <laughs> where he's not quite good enough for the big leagues, but uh, not you know could have carved out a career if he was willing to travel. Have bat, will travel. Speaking of uh, traveling bats, let's talk about Nick Weglars. So I had to laugh there because man, there was a time where Nick Weglars was really somebody I was hanging my ca- my hat and my hopes on for this Cleveland Indians team. Third round pick back in 2005. Uh, this is during the Baron Mark Shapiro drafting a, uh, era where uh, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And for Wiglars, you know, he was this Canadian kid, young for his draft class, big, strong player. Uh, you know that, that year, your top five picks were Justin Upton, Alex Gordon, Jeff Clement, Ryan Zimmerman, and Ryan Braun. You have to get to the eighth pick, Wade Townsend, who we had discussed recently on the show. Uh, to get the guy who did not make the big leagues. And he's just one of three in the top 20. So this is a pretty successful draft. Uh, who did Cleveland take? Ugh, John Drennan was a comp pick that year. Uh, Trevor Crow was your high first rounder, who we've already discussed for the failure <laughs> series. You have to laugh because, hey, that's two from this class. Uh, Drennan, I feel like, is more well-known for did he hit like a home run off of um, Roger Clemens in the minors or something like that. Uh, he was one of those players, too, when he got let go. His family was not very happy with the Indians and kind of said some things that I don't know if it really helped anyone. I can't even remember what they were. I just remember there was um, some issue at the time. I know I'm being very specific. That's what everyone uh, keeps you all listening. So Weglers was, he didn't get to the big leagues, but he was definitely, at the time, the most interesting player from this 2005 draft class ring because Trevor Crow was very limited. Uh, he was immediately tried in another position and failed. Drennan was a high school kid who had, he got a million dollars. That's a large amount. It didn't work out. 
Stephen Head was an interesting first baseman out of the University of Mississippi. You got Weglars, you got Jensen Brown, you have Jordan Brown, another first baseman. I, you can't help but laugh, right? Like, think about how this team drafts now. Now imagine essentially drafting three first basemen in your in the top four rounds. They had two thirds and two uh, firsts, so they had you know do your quick math: two firsts, a second, two thirds. So they had what six picks in the top four rounds? And half of them they spent on first basemen. Uh, this does lead me to be like, oh, Stephen Head, go dig at his numbers. It's like, yeah, he was just kind of mediocre. Like you know, you need more when you're first baseman than what he provided. He's another one. I, I you know, you, you remember your memories, and I'm like, I kind of dug him. Oh, Jordan Brown, everyone kind of liked, even though he was like, I mean, Head got more money, but Brown was definitely the better prospect. He at least got to the big leagues. Uh, and and what happened with Brown is the same thing that happened with Weglars. It's the same thing that happened with a lot of these young guys. Uh, you know, different era, different focus in terms of what they're uh, having players do and everything else. I mean, Jordan Brown was interesting because. He was drafted in 2005. He was in AAA by 2008, and then in that year wasn't great in 2008, but man, did he light it up in 2007 in AA. No power, though. That was the whole bit. See, I'm going down the... I'm off task. Let's get back in. Let's focus on the guy I'm supposed to talk about, Nick Weglars. So Weglars uh, was drafted. He gets dropped into rookie ball, and he's good. Or he's not good, I should say. Goes up to... Spends 2006, uh, barely plays due to health. 2007, he comes back, and he spends most of the year in low A and has a very strong year, 23 home runs. This is really the put on the map here. 82 walks, 129 strikeouts. That's 24% of the time he strikes out, but he's walking 15% with a big isolated power. And you're like, okay, he's a young kid. Uh, He's going to get better. Goes to triple A, or triple A, goes to high A in 2008. Plays well, but at this point, he is starting to, he's only 20 years of age. 2009 goes to Akron, and he plays well again. Now, the power had not quite developed, I think, as most of us had expected. But still, he's he's solidly moving up the system. And then 2010, health issues. It's it's good across two levels. It's just very limited, 137, 175 at-bats. Minor time missed for health issues, but he's got a very strong 2010 here in general. 2011, health issues, only 41 games performance falls off 2012 uh just not a hyper productive year he ends up going back to akron after his short appearance in triple i mean triple a he was 286 392 almost a 400 ops 497 slugging 889 ops uh like i said the injury plague 2011 2012 he's now 24 and they put him back in double a and he it's it's his worst season in the minors since that first one in burlington and then after that he's gone uh, health issues, I believe, again, arose. And, yeah, he, it, you know, it's interesting because, again, this is a player who is a very well-thought-of prospect multiple times, uh, rated in the upper part of the Indian system. And why didn't he get an opportunity? <laughs> like, these were not, you know, the best of times for the Indians. I mean, 20, 2012, 2013, think about the high picks they were accumulating. This is after there was a good run there. Uh, it's kind of sad to read this uh, baseball fandom wiki. He was drafted as a third baseman, but has seen most of his time in left field. Make it sound like there's like he's still out there, uh, you know, turning away. 6'3", 245, big power, good eye. Like I said, he, 2012, we see a number regression. And then 2013, 
He's with Atlanta for two games in their double A affiliate. And he's out of baseball. That's it. Gives it up. I don't know if he just didn't have, you know, his heart in it anymore, especially after getting sent back down. I also don't know why the Indians, essentially, after he got to AAA and performed well, he gets hurt, and then they keep him in AA. This is that weird era where, I mean, I would have liked to have seen Nick Weglars at least get a shot. Probably would he have turned it into anything? No, but health derailed him right as he was peaking. If 2011 he stays healthy... Uh, and I mean, 2010, he only was in 87 games. You want to see, you know, in a good year, it's over 100 that a player is going to appear in. So he had some minor health issues in 2010. 2011, only 41 games, and it's bad across the board uh, statistically that year. Win healthy, you know, uh, build was not great. Defense wasn't great. There wasn't a great position. He was probably a DH. Uh, the power didn't quite come as expected. Uh, the 23 in 2007 was peak. He never crossed, and next highest total is 16. There's a lot of reasons why they were a little bit lower, but even you go through for a guy with his profile, he never struck out at a high, high percentage. Uh, his percentages were in the 20s, sometimes even in the teens. His walk percentage, his minor league walk percentage is over 10. His minor league strikeout percentage is 26. Uh, 220, oh, that's rookie ball. Maybe I should do the totals. Uh, over 15 for his minor league career, to, uh, for his walk, and 22.76 for his strikeout. That's solid. 252, 375, 438, 813. Health, obviously a big thing here. You know, a, a build that made it so he was didn't have a natural defensive home. And then this is a weird era where someone like, you know, Nick Waglars doesn't get an opportunity. Nowadays, I feel like he would at least get a shot. Uh, he didn't get a shot then. There was no, like, guarantee. It's the same reason, like, you know, Bo Mills didn't necessarily earn his shot, but it's been a while since, uh, you know, a fr- almost every first-rounder gets there now. Like, every first-rounder gets there for a reason. Uh, so that that's where it is. Nick Weglars, he got, he got did a little dirty. He also just couldn't stay healthy. And uh, he was... Again, that was a dark time in the Indian system. It was a really bad minor leagues. They did not have a lot of internal help. The outfield in 2012, 2013. So 2012, you got Shelley Duckin in 81 games in left field. You have Brantley and Chu, which makes it hard. You have Hafner getting 66 games at DH. Uh, Johnny Damon getting opportunities. Ezekiel Carrera. Uh, Lonnie Chisenhall's starting to get some chances, but he's almost entirely at third at the time. So, I mean, Russ... Kanzler got 97. Uh, th- there were opportunities. There were spots. Uh, Jose Lopez getting 224 plate appearances. Uh, they ran out some not-so-good players. They could have easily had some opportunities for someone like Nick Weglars. Speaking of opportunities, this is an opportunity we ran long here. We're going to come back, discuss more of these prospects. We're going to get through this list. We're going to keep chugging away and get through, come back, and hear about some pitchers that stood out. Let's talk about Built Bar. I got ad copy, but I don't need a stinking ad copy. I can tell you all about this product. I buy from them all the time. And it's with great sadness. You know, I've been talking it up for a while. Candy cane brownie stick came back, and I missed it. I always talk about how a lot of these are gluten-free. Do double-check on your own if you do have a gluten sensitivity or if you have celiacs. Not all of them do, but, man, the coconut brownie, coconut cane brownie with the chunks of candy cane on top, that was a gluten-free one. And just talk about the health. 80 calories, 9 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar. That's fantastic. That is the lowest calorie count on any of their bars. Of course, it had already sold out. Gluten-free and nut-free. Has milk and soy. 
but they're all delicious. Uh, Caramel Almond Delight, I really enjoyed. That one does have nuts. White Chocolate Cheesecake, I haven't tried mine yet. Uh, I'm sure I will love it. I love the other ones that were like that. Still have Caramel Macchiato, Coconut Brownie Chunk, and Paranormal Pumpkin. Paranormal Pumpkin is currently on sale. And the best part, you can double dip with those. So you can use our sale, get the pumpkin at a discount, use the Locked On 15, save yourself 15% on top of their sale order. And they sell out so quickly because they are so delicious. I didn't even get the email about Candy Cane. It must have come out last night at midnight. I'm recording less than 24 hours later, and it's all gone. It is so tasty that it sells out that quick. Go go to BillBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll thank me, and uh, your stomach will thank you. Time for more failure. <laughs> like, I, I feel bad saying, like, more failure. It's... I mean, these guys accomplished so much to even get as far as many of them did. Some of these, this next grouping of players I have, these are all players who played in the majors except one. We'll start with the one. And that's not a failure. I mean, to get drafted, you're not a failure. Uh, It is just all of them being a top 100 prospect. The expectation is that you will be a MLB regular. None of them accomplished that goal or have not as of yet. So let's talk about Jason Knapp. I'm kidding. Uh, I, it, it, it's an inside joke with a student, so it's not like anyone listening would get that. But Jason Knapp is often, you know, they go back and you talk about the Cliff Lee deal, and it gets misreported because now we focus on Carlos Carrasco. And even at the time, Carrasco had been the Phillies' pros- top prospect for like three years in a row, but his star had fallen at that point, honestly. So had Jason Donalds, so had Lou Marson. All of the secondary pieces in that deal saw their value down. Now, I feel like Jason Donald might have been a top 100 prospect. He must not have been. He did the research. Like, didn't he slide in at one point? But everyone, you know, this is the Indians loving their distressed assets. Jason Knapp was not distressed when the Indians got him. He had been drafted in 2008 as a second-round pick. 2009, uh, he is striking guys out left and right. He is bringing it. He's got a really good off-speed offering. Walk rate's a hair over four. No one's hitting him, and no one is hitting him hard. He's striking out over 11 per nine. Everything's there. He is, I mean, he looks like the real deal. Uh, He is the major piece in that uh, that draft, or not that draft, that trade. Like, he is what they wanted. He was the centerpiece. Carrasco was the two. Marson and Donald, those are your three, four pieces. Uh, And, you know, this is a player that went five picks before the Indians took Trey Haley in the second round. Trey Haley, they gave $1.25 million. That's still shocking. Uh, Now, Haley, I don't even know if he signs if they don't trade Paul Bird. I have to be honest. That's one of those things where uh, they went back and got a lot of guys kind of late in the process. And I think he was a, I'm pretty sure he was a late in the process guy. Uh, Knapp had gotten... Let's see, Jason Knapp had been picked 71. He got 590,000. Like, they might have been in on him. Uh, by the way, between Knapp and Haley, I, I can't help but laugh. You have Charlie Blackman, good old Brian Shaw at 27, Tyler Chatwood, Scott Biddle, who doesn't sign. Um, I don't know if he ends up getting redrafted as a Yankees pick. We had some high productivity between a pair of expensive high school arms who didn't turn into a whole bunch. Uh, by the way, Haley, third highest bonus in that round. Yeah, uh, where's the top player? Blackman and Chatwood, followed by Tyson Ross. And then Brad Hand and Brian Shaw. How about that? Some some old friend alerts. But getting back, sorry, I had to look at Scott Scott Biddle. No, it's, I saw Batavia. I'm like, wait, did the Indians draft him? No, he was eventually a fourth rounder by the Cardinals. It's like, you can't remember when someone is a minor league affiliate. You spend so much time talking about it. 
Jason Knapp is health. Uh, we, you know, I haven't talked about Brady Aiken yet. Let's just put these two guys together. Electric potential front of the rotation arms could not stay healthy to save their lives. Brady Aiken had like one year in the minors where, you know, I talked about him yesterday and then I was like, this is going to make the episode go well over 30. Let's delete it. Uh, I'm trying to remember the data, but it's like Brady Aiken had one season. He threw 120 innings. Other than that, he was like a high of 40. Jason Knapp wishes he could have gotten there. Over his entire minor league career of 54 games, 188 innings, high of 85. And by the way, 85 innings was what he threw with the Phillies before he was traded to the Indians. Once he came to the Indians, over the next few years, he would pitch a total of 40 innings. Uh, He would try to make a comeback in 2014 with the Texas Rangers. He would pitch 32 innings that year, and they weren't bad innings, uh, but he just didn't have the same electricity, the same juice. He just completely health-wise fell apart. Uh, there's no other way around it. I'm missing multiple seasons, making, like I said, 28 total innings in 2010. He pitched for the uh, you know 11 innings once the Indians acquired him. He was basically probably already hurt when they got him. Uh, you know, nowadays with everything they can do, that's a trade that might get voided. Like they might go in and be okay, this guy is already hurt. Uh, you're okay that that trade went through. You're not upset because what Carlos Carrasco became. Yet at the same time, not, you look at, I or I go back and look at my memories, like Knapp and Hagedone were these big, strong, hard throw. Like these guys were going to be the pitching aces. These were going to be the next Lee and Sabathia. That wasn't the case at all. You know, it was the lesser known Corey Kluber, who when I first heard the deal, I thought they were talking about Corey Lubick, who was a Padres prospect who, uh, least was rated in the top 10 and was a former Ohio State guy. But it's interesting how this all plays out. Nap is health. I mean, it's just crazy to even look at the numbers and be like, he threw 85 innings the first half of that season, gets traded, throws 11 the rest of the year. Next year, 28. Then he doesn't pitch in 2011 or 2012 or 2013. I can't remember what year he like, uh, you know, kind of retired and said, I'm not going to be able to come back and be healthy. So what happened was, he was a really, I feel like Baseball America did a mid-season list that year, and like I keep this in the back of my head, I don't know if this is true or just like, you know, a Mandela effect, a fake memory, whatever you want to call it, but I felt like he was ranked in the top 25 prospects in their mid-season list. Here it says he was ranked the 64th best prospect by Baseball America. That says coming into the 2010 season. Uh, he has that great first half in 20, or no, a great first half in 20, 2009. So I feel like it was in between there. He's ranked very high, barely pitches, gets hurt in 2010, uh, is misses all of 2011 due to injury, has another shoulder surgery after that in 2012 and gets released. Attempted to come back, didn't come together. Clearly health with him and clearly health with Brady. I mean, with Brady Aiken, they were drafting a distress. I mean, it's what the Indians left, right? It's a distressed asset. Brady Aiken, when he was thrown in the low 90s, I had him ranked 9th or 10th in my fall list in that class. Like, I, I just thought he was this amazing athlete who could have potentially been like a utility infielder. Uh, if he wasn't a pitcher, but he was just he was smooth on the mound. He had good control. He had good secondary offerings. I think he's going to be a 2-3. He comes out in the fall, fall in the spring. He's in 97, 98, 99. And I'm like, th- he's got the Kershaw setup. I compared him to Kershaw. That was the comp. Uh, I had him as the number one player on my board. I thought the Astros made the right choice. I thought they made a terrible choice not signing him. I've gone into many times 
you know, how that has all played out. But health, I mean, the Indians took a gamble. They took a guy at 16 who the year before had been the top overall pick and a consensus number one. Uh, they got him for cheaper than he would have cost the previous year. And if he stays healthy and he gets back to where he was, uh, that that's a gamble that is fantastic. Unfortunately, they got, you know, that is one end of the outcome. They got the other end of the outcome where, you know, he throws 132 innings in 2017. And for the rest of his career, he threw... The year he was drafted, he threw 46, and after that 132, he threw two-thirds of an inning. You win some, you lose some, and they definitely lost that one. Both these pitchers, like I said, electric possibilities. Unfortunately, it was the Indians who ended up getting shocked. We're going to come back. Keep going. We're going to talk about guys who got to the majors now but just could not consistently find a role for them there. That sponsors Bet Online. Again, I could read the ad reads, but that gets boring. Let's go to Bet Online. Let's see what's happening over there. When you go to bet online, remember to use the promo code locked on to get a 5050% bonus on your first deposit. Who doesn't want an extra on your deposit? It's free money. So if it is your thing, go to bet online today and remember to use that promo code locked, uh, locked on. How about the Browns Ravens? Right now, uh, plus two and a half for the Ravens. Uh, interesting that, uh, isn't that a home game? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> can show my degree of watching. But for the uh, the way team, I know the Browns have some injuries. Should we talk about player props? Let, let's let's go have some fun and check out what some player props are in the football world for that matchup. Here are your prop bets over at BetOnline.ag. Promo code locked on. Uh, handicap we already talked about. Total over under a forty two. First half points twenty and a half. Cleveland total points twenty two and a half. Baltimore total points twenty point five. Over under. I should say for those, the total points being an over-under of 22 for the Browns, 20.5 for Baltimore. Interesting that they expect the Browns to score more but favor the Ravens. Uh, if this is interesting or the types of things you know more about, go to betonline.ag today. Remember that promo code locked on, And we'll lead off by me thanking you again for making Locked On Guardians your first listen, free and available everywhere you get podcasts. So let's talk some Alex White. Uh, Alex White was a first-round pick for the Indians. That is, of course, the Mike Trout draft, 2009. Uh, he had been previously drafted, I believe, out of high school. Like He's one of those guys who's been famous since high school. Uh, Dodgers took him in the 14th round. So that, there is an attempt to sign a guy when you take him in the 14th round in the old draft system. White had a disappointing junior year. It wasn't a bad junior year. The problem was it was almost identical to his sophomore year in a lot of regards, just a higher ERA. Uh, you know, A lot of his counting stats, he, he gave up more home runs. He gave up more hits. He had been, he had been better as his sophomore and you expect a player to take a leap forward statistically uh, each year. And when a guy is closer to average, that that hurts his stock. So he went from being a, a, a likely top 10 pick to sliding to 15. And he's interesting because we talked about this as a time. Think about like Nick Weglar, so many of these players we talked about. The Indians are slow playing everyone in the minors to an extreme, <laughs> to a frustrating degree. Uh, not so much with White. He doesn't pitch it on 2009. Not uncommon for a college arm who threw 107 innings that year after throwing 101 the year before and 98 as a freshman. He was a well-traveled college arm. 2010, he gets eight games in high A. They drop him right into high A. Spends most of the year in double A. And in 2011, two years after being drafted, he is in the big leagues. Looking at this data, I have to laugh because I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot. So I had a theory that never got confirmed. Well, something else before then is I remember his agent emailing a few of us at Indians Baseball Insider back then uh, to 
it was clearly his agent and comparing him to like a bigger name pitching prospect. And I can't think who it was uh, now, uh, but someone who went on to be successful. Like, how is it that this guy is, you know, always so rated so much higher and clearly chicky, cherry, cherry picking data. You know, the big thing for 2010 with him with the uh, arrows was he had a 2.28 ERA. Uh, his walk rate was 2.28 as well. Uh, he didn't give up a lot of hits. He didn't give up a lot of home runs. The red flag, and we would totally catch this red flag now, but we didn't as much in 2010, strike a rate of under seven. And, you know, I was telling you the thing I remembered as I was going through this data, I had a theory that very quickly in 2011, because his name started popping up everywhere and they were very quick to trade him. He had been, you know, there was talk of a Carlos Beltran offer, I think was about this time where he had been offered in that, that he'd been offered multiple times at this point. The Indians had him move quickly through the minors, build up his value in terms of performance. They kind of realized what they had. They realized that he was going to be a quad A type. He was going to be able to dominate at a certain level, but he probably wasn't going to be able to find consistent success in the big leagues. Again, this was a theory, and that they were trying to sell him while the stock was hot. Essentially, they knew they had a stock that was going to tank, and they're trying to max his value. And they did that. He was part of the Ubaldo deal, and Ubaldo Jimenez had his ups and downs. But, he, you know, they got a draft pick back for him. I'd have to, you know, did that become McKenzie, maybe? Might have been. Might have also become Mike Pappy. So, you know, or just Justice Sheffield. I think it was just Justice Sheffield. No, it was Justice the brother. It was the Sheffield we had. Now, Jordan, I believe, is the brother. Justice is who was in our system. Uh, so I believe it became Justice Sheffield. But he also pitched really well for the Indians uh, that first Francona playoff season. Alex White pitched in the big leagues for the Indians in three starts, 15 innings. Uh, then he would go to Colorado. He'd have seven starts for them. He would have 20 starts in 2012. Didn't pitch in 2013, I'm assuming due to injury. Bounced around from that point and never got back to the big leagues. I think the knock here is he just he couldn't miss bats. Could not miss bats at a consistent rate. You look at his minor league data, You know, in the majors, his strikeout rate was 6.1. In the minor leagues, it was 6.71. He struck out a lot of batters in at no level. Like 839 in Kingston, Kingston was his best. Yeah, he was a ground ball guy, which is why his home run rates also were pretty low, but they didn't stay low in the big leagues. He's a guy who got hit hard in the majors. So I don't know if it was command issues as well that made him someone that guys could tee off on, but he just, you know, he wasn't quite good enough, couldn't miss enough bats, and then... It, that's why it didn't come together for him. That's why there was not a sustained amount of success. That is why the major league career is 30 games uh, for Alex White. We still have more players to talk about in this series. This was all failed prospects. Uh, we still got Clint Frazier and Francisco Mejia. I know what you're saying. Both those guys could still come around. They could. And if they do, then we get to retract it. But as of now, these are a pair of players that we will talk about on tomorrow's show. Uh, Francisco Mejia is now... 26 years old. He's been with three organizations. Clint Frazier is on his third organization uh, and is 27 years old. And both players by now are expected to be starters. There's just no other way around it. So we will discuss those two, what has gone wrong for them both. And uh, hopefully, well, I guess hopefully, I mean, maybe we'll have some MILB Rule 5 draft to talk about as well. It's always good to have something to discuss that's actually happening. 
we'll take a look, see if the Indians gain or lose anyone tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern, I believe, is when that occurs. I will have some tweets and takes uh, after my workday is done. Well, I have planning at the very end of the day, so maybe you'll be lucky and see some, like, three, which is four-year time, uh, hot takes on that. Again, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Guardians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. I didn't check to see if anyone left a new review. Let's make it so the most recent review isn't a bad one. Thank you all for everything you do being part of the Locked on Guardians team. And as we end it now, go, go, Guardians, go.